Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Nola Nash was born and raised in South Louisiana and now resides in Brentwood, Tennessee. She works as an online school instructional coach by day and an author and storyteller by night. Her Crescent City series is a paranormal historical mystery set in the 1830s French Quarter and includes Crescent City Moon and Crescent City Sin. Her upcoming series launches in March. It's called Traveler. I can't wait to talk to Nola about it. And when she is not a writer or working with teachers, she hosts BYOB, Writers Showcase, and Dead Folks Tales, right here on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Nola, welcome to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thank you so much for having me. I want to jump right in with genre and a little bit of a okay. talk about genre, because I was first drawn to your work because you're such a great interviewer. I saw something um, on Facebook and I saw you interviewing someone. And then the next thing I knew, you were having a voodoo altar. And that is just out of my genre. And I fell in mm -hmm. love with you and your writing and with a genre that I thought I would never uh, be attracted to. So you, you're writing, and there's also a USA Today bestseller and author named uh, DC Gomez. You both write in that paranormal um, area, and I thought, that is something I would never read. And now I can't wait till everybody gets to read Traveler. So talk <laughs> to me about genre. How did you pick your genre? And then I have follow-up questions. Sure. Um, for me, it was more about the story itself. It was what I wanted to tell and where I wanted to tell it. So it really, I, I never actually sat down and said, this is the genre I want to write. It became what it is. So, and it's, I guess, technically more of a cross genre because it is historical fiction. There is some paranormal fantasy, witchcraft voodoo in it. And it's also a mystery. It's an adventure. Same thing with Traveler. You know, it's set more modern day, but it's also got the history. It's got the fantasy. It's, you know, some time travel things going on here. Um, ancient gods, things like that. But it was always about the story itself. It had nothing to do with this. This is my genre. And it becomes that cross genre that it publishers struggle with it because, you know, and bookstores do too, because they don't know what shelf to put it on. But you know, shelf or no shelf, it's still the story that I wanted to write. And that's And they to need me, to put it on multiple shelves. <laughs> that's right. There's several copies, just stick them all out there. But yeah, I mean, it was always the story first. The storyline is so strong in, um, I've only read uh, Traveler, but mm -hmm. it is a strong story. And I think that that is what at the base of all of our writing. If we don't have a strong story, it then ultimately falls apart. You can have bells and whistles and mm -hmm. you know amazing fantastical things, but the story and the thread of the story and the power of the character has to stay with us. So mm -hmm. were you surprised at your cross historical mystery paranormal genre? Not really. I mean, I've always I've enjoyed that kind of 
that kind of storytelling. I've always been a huge fan of like Edgar Allan Poe. And to me, in many ways, you know, I know it's it's Southern Gothic. Well, not Southern, it's Gothic. And I love Southern Gothic. And so all of these things kind of came together. And with what I grew up around in South Louisiana, ghost stories and things, they were always on that line between believable and fiction. And I like my stories the same way. And that's, that's how I tell my stories. I want there to be so much accuracy around the fantasy that it makes that fantasy so much easier to believe. You don't really have to suspend your disbelief because the more you read, the more plausible it seems. I agree with you entirely. And the level of detail we often as authors talk about going down a rabbit hole, you know, we have one idea of, you know, what color buttons would have been on this dress and then we go out and do research. Mm -hmm. The level of research you do is astonishing, especially in Traveler. So let's yeah. talk about Traveler first and then let's get to your research. Okay, so Traveler uh, features Shelby Starling as our main character. And I always say that um, Shelby Starling is if Anthony Bourdain was a 20 something chick, that's Shelby Starling. And I, agree. She, I mean, that's, it's really what she is. I mean, she, she's jaded, she's snarky. She drowns her troubles in wine. I mean, she's always at the bottom of a bottle of Chianti and she doesn't really necessarily appreciate where she is at first or where she's going. She's a travel writer for Pioneer Tours. And so her thing is to go do all of these things that the tour company is going to send their people on so that she can write the promotional material. And her boss believes in authentic experiences. So even though she could look it up online, she's got to go do it because her boss sends her there. And all of these things, you know, about her character kind of helps with that, you know, feeling of not belonging. So, you know, she doesn't really, she doesn't know that she's really where she's supposed to be. She's welcome in a lot of places, but never at home in any of them. And she finds out that that's because her destiny has been kind of, there's been some crossed wires. And so she's got to find her destiny. She has a lot of help in doing this. I mean, she's kicking and screaming, trying to find her destiny because she does not believe she's a destiny type girl. You know, she's like, this is ridiculous. She spends most of the you know first part of the book going, this is absolutely idiotic. <laughs> like this does not happen if to I'm me. I'm not doing Which this. Which is I'm what we would this. say. Just give me more wine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just give me the wine. It's going to all go away. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how she is. And honestly, I, I wrote it. I wrote her that way because if it was me in that place, I would be doing the same thing. You know, as much as I believe in ghost stories and things like that, I would still be going, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is, I'm not a destiny person. You've got the wrong girl. So it was very much how I would feel in that situation. And I guess that kind of adds to being able to suspend your disbelief because most of us would be thinking the same thing. This is ridiculous. This doesn't happen. But she's got some great tour guides along the way that she has helped her along the way in different locations that she goes to. And she's learning about who she is and the destiny she's supposed to be leading through memories of past lives and different things that she touch, touches will bring her into different memories. And that's where the research really comes in. I mean, she's going to 
a lot of different locations. And so there was a lot of research about modern day locations where she was. But each of those modern locations also has the historical element to it too. So we're really researching two different time periods. Have you been, the, the place that stuck out most for me was in when she goes to Italy. And I could just feel that because I've been there. And you have to have been there. Tell me, tell me you've been there and you just didn't Google Earth it or something. No, I've, I've been to Rome. <laughs> I have been to Rome. Um, and one of the things that, that I love about this is I like the fact that people have to guess, like, has she been there? Has she not? Um, as I'm writing all of this and some of those locations I have been to and some of them I have not. And my goal was that no reader would be able to tell the difference between the two, whether I'd been there or not. I have been to Rome. I love Rome. Um, I would go back in a heartbeat. It was an interesting, fascinating, crazy, historical, beautiful place. It was so many things rolled into one. Uh, one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to is Rome. And so it was definitely a joy to be able to spend a bit of time with Shelby in Rome. And you definitely get that sense of in your writing that you, you, the writer, and she are together on a journey because you bring your readers right along with Shelby. Um, I knew you had to have been in Rome because um, there's just a sense there that's so strong. And I love also that you have um, this, and you can tell from my background, you know, this sense of touch. That's how she gets in. Mm -hmm. um, in touch with these memories. And at some point, mm -hmm. you know, the, and, and again, that sense of disbelief, which you ca capture so right. well, because the first time it happens, I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, she's gonna be. <laughs> and then the second time I'm like, no, no, don't touch the wall. Don't touch the wall, if you touch the wall. Um, yeah. Or yes, please touch that, please touch that. We have to get to the next We need location. to know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yep. It's, it's really uh, bringing the reader along on the ride. I think has a lot to do too with the voice of the narrator. It's a third person narrator, but even the narrator has some attitude. It, you know, it's like the narrator is watching her and going, you idiots, <laughs> you know, half the time when she screws something up, you know, it's like if the narrator actually could, <laughs> what are you doing? There's very much that it, it's almost like a character and yet it's totally third person, but I liked the voice because it, it's really, that's the voice I would have if I was telling you this story. It's, it's my kind of snarky, sarcastic voice. And then Shelby is even more so and a bit more resistant to everything that's going on. But but there's a lot of my voice in, in this particular book through the narrator. Now, you write in series. Your first two books are a series. And I know that there's a third book that's going to be there. There is. Share with me a little bit about, because I write standalones. I've written four books. Mm -hmm. My last one is a novel. But talk to me about series versus standalones for you. I wrote the first Crescent City book as a standalone. And I mean, it had a very Romeo and Juliet ending. And my publisher actually was the one who wanted it to be a series. And I thought, oh God, how am I going to do that? Um, I did rewrite the ending. Um, and the interesting thing is, is I wrote the second book before the first book had published. So I had the opportunity, you know, once I knew it was a series, I had the opportunity through writing that second book and figuring out where it was going to go to leave those breadcrumbs in the first book. And so I think there's a lot of, of 
that that needs to be done. When you're writing in series, not only do you have to keep up with your own story, but it's good to kind of leave those little nuggets, those little things behind in the first book that maybe aren't completely answered or not answered real thoroughly. And so you know that there's opportunity to dig a little deeper into that part of that character or that particular um, experience or whatever. And that for me is what's really important is give them what they need for the first story but leave them wondering about a few things so that that's what you can address in the second one. Third Do one, you plan forever. those while you're writing? Like while you were writing Traveler, did you say, ah, here's a breadcrumb? I actually went back to, into Traveler very much like I did the first one because I've written the second one. The second one is called Watcher. And there are things that I added to Traveler when I wrote Watcher. I had an idea of where Watcher was going to go. Um, it evolved like all things do when you write, it expanded into things. And there were certain things that would like hit me. I go, Oh God, that's good. But then it was like, okay, but I got to put that in the first one because I got to put this particular thing to make that make sense to make this work in watcher. So it's very helpful to be a book ahead of the series, whatever's coming out. Um, it'll at least have written or finished writing the next one because of those particular things, because I think it's important for them to have not only continuity, but things that you want to find out more about. So those, those kind of niggling things that you just can't get past. So well, it also it. super helps as an author, right? To have, mm -hmm. you know, books stacked, if you will, to mm -hmm. get out. Um, yep. Is there one after Watcher? There will be a third, it's a trilogy. And so the third is called Oracle. So it's Traveler, Watcher and Oracle. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Now you are uber busy. You teach yeah. by day, and um, it's a new it's a new position that kind of is pandemic generated in some ways. Talk a little bit about that, and then how do you time manage the multiple radio shows, your work, and <laughs> your writing? Because I'm I'm impressed. It's it's a lot of time management. It really is. Um, I'm an instructional coach for our online high school in our district. Um, we have a K eight online school and we have a high school for online. And as an instructional coach, their instructional coaches are in our buildings as well. My job looks very different from theirs. Uh, their job is to spend some time with teachers and give them some, um, some support in areas that they want to grow in. Even if they are a very strong teacher, then they can continue to grow those strengths as well. It's not just finding weaknesses. Online, my job is a little different. We don't have classrooms for me to go and visit and observe teachers. So I spend a lot of time um, finding resources for our teachers, um, creating technology resources for them, um, helping them one-on-one -on -one through Zooms, things that they are struggling with. I'm also kind of our tech support person. So if they're having some problems with something that they're wanting to deliver as an online course, then I help them find ways to turn those things that would have been, you know, a certain type of assignment in the building, converting that to something that can be delivered asynchronously and online for our high school students. So my job is a little different than the other coaches, but we, we knew it would be. Um, it is a, a brand new position. They've never had an online high school or other school. We've had a program, but not a full actual school. And um, so everything that we're doing is brand new this year and evolving as we go. And then and supporting. Finding... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead, please. 
No, please. Well, and finding the, the balance. The balance comes, um, a lot of times it comes from being able, you know, being online gives me a lot of, you know, freedom to do a lot of different things. My hours are not completely set in stone. I don't have a bell to bell schedule. So if I need to step away, if I've spent hours in front of my computer and I've just been sitting here, um, you know, sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll head out to a coffee shop for an hour or so and get some writing done. That's giving me a change of venue, different thing to think about. And then I can jump back into what the teachers need. So sometimes it's just kind of using writing as the break that I need from just kind of everything that's coming in at one time. I write a lot in the evenings. Um, breaks, school breaks are wonderful because that's when I get a lot of writing done. Um, and, and that really Honestly, some of my books have been completely written over a summer break because that's when I can dedicate to it. Um, and the podcasts and everything, you know, it, they took a lot more time at the beginning. But now that I kind of have the rhythm of what I want to do, what I want to say, the timing of it all, um, it becomes routine. And so it's easy to kind of find those spots in the day to plug those things in and get them ready for the show and you know, connect with the guests that I want to have on and make the graphics that I, I get lost in Canva. Oh my gosh, talk about a time suck. <laughs> I can spend way too much time oh. in Canva making graphics. I have to really watch that. Do I like this font or do I like that font? Should it be this color? Oh, yes, I get it. But I think that your day job, which is so important, I come out of the background of education, as you know, and I come out of support to high school teachers, as you know. So the fact that you do that, I think is so critical because teaching and learning has changed dramatically in the last two years. So I love that your district is uh, trying to find a new way to support teachers. But you also support authors in many ways, not only through your podcasts, but you are the technical guru for many of us who say, Nola, how do we do that? Uh, talk a little bit, if you will, about the importance of author communities. I think the author community is a fabulous, fabulous community of people. You would think that, you know, with everybody competing for readers and things like that, that it would be a very competitive place, very kind of cutthroat place. It's actually not. And that was a very refreshing thing to discover as you know, I'm getting out there is that authors love to support those coming up in, in being an author, you know, releasing a book, you know, getting their feet in, in all of the things that they need to, you know, it, I had people helping me. And so I love giving back in other ways, you know, and, and they still help me. I still learn so much from other authors about all kinds of things. And it's a joy to be able to return the favor when someone needs some technical support or you know anything that I can do to help them as well. It's such a warm community of people and it's so supportive. They get so excited about each other's books and releases. I mean, authors, writers are readers too. And so we love finding those great new books and we just get excited about what we do. And I love that the authors get so excited for each other and help each other. I have author friends who have, you know, so many books under their belt and yet they still find time for those of us who are relatively new to it. It's incredible. I love the author community. I, I can't say enough about it. I think you were the first person I heard because, you know, I have the other books out, but as a novelist, I'm relatively new. And you were the first author that I heard say, oh, we all are going to support each other. You know, we all get stronger by doing that. And I was like, how could that possibly be? 
and I and I was so happy that you shared that. And that's absolutely been my experience um, this entire time that we are all so excited about each other's work. Um, I know I'm very excited about Traveler coming out in just two months. Tell us how people can get it. Oh, beautiful cover. Look at, I love my cover of this book. It's gorgeous. David King, our cover designer, did a great job on, on that one. So how can they find um, it you? Is, it's on Amazon. You can uh, pre-order right now. You can pre-order Traveler. It comes out March 10th, but Kindle and paperback is available for pre-order. I am on Facebook, either on my group, NOLA's Second Line, or you can just find me on Facebook as well. Uh, go to Dead Folks Tales with Nola Nash um, on Facebook for that podcast. On Instagram, not real big on Twitter. Things go there, but <laughs> it's Twitter and I when don't I remember. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like shouting into the void. But um, on Instagram all the time at Nola Nash Writes. And nolanash.com is my website. You've been a great storyteller today. Leave us with something unique, quirky, different that people might not already know about you. Let's see. When I was 12 years old, I was an athletic ambassador to Holland. My bro little brother and I were athletic ambassadors. We went and taught gymnastics um, to students in four different cities in Holland. I was 12. He was 10. And we went and stayed with the Dutch family. And his coach, uh, my brother's coach, came along. I taught the girls' classes, and my 10 year old brother <laughs> taught the boys. <laughs> I, I love it. Gymnastics. And you're doing that in your career still. Nola, <laughs> thank you for gracing the storyteller microphone today and for being such a great storyteller. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, and Grace Salmon. Thanks for watching. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories. Tell your own and come back for another episode because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon. <laughs>